Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm in total control of the situation Mm. because they're only getting to see me for when I'm on stage. So I can be like, all right, I'm going to portray this person. This I'm going to portray how I'm feeling right now to these people. And that's how they're going to interpret me. Welcome to 94 and More, a podcast presented by Bristol Studio. I'm your host, Jake Fenster, and I'm joined by my co-host, Vic Law, who's supposed to say something there, but I don't know if he wants to jump in. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, and, all right, we're, we're, we're live, baby. And today, <laughs> our guest is Henry Hall. Henry, oh, thanks for joining the show. I, I could not be happier. What a way to start, what a way to start the show. <laughs> no it is uh, good honestly i i mean i listen to a lot of podcasts and yeah. or i or kind of whatever i listen to like two podcasts but i listen to every single episode and it's always nice when they change up the intro yeah. a little bit so yeah yeah I'm, no I'm, d- I'm down for one of the uh the hosts to not respond to their yeah. uh, introduction <laughs> he's big time now he got his first win in the nbl and now he's hard to uh to get a response from can't even get he's oh, turning too much cheese now He's on the Great Barrier Reef. That's not even close. Is that true? I and on top like... of that, it's in my state, but it's like way north. Okay, wait. Can you quickly explain that? So uh, I'm in Queensland. Like the state that I'm in is Queensland. Right. I'm in the city of Brisbane, but right. the Great Barrier Reef is in a city called Cairns, like way at the top of the of Queensland. So it's like a nine-hour drive. Okay, I see. So that's and like even like even like... then. Yeah, yeah, like LA to San Fran, or like longer right. than that. Like you would, you have to like go out to get to the Great Barrier Reef. Like you're like you know you get on a boat for about forty minutes to go out to it. It's yeah, not yeah. just like you can like can't just swim <laughs> and see it. Which you, is can't what I doggy, was. you can't just doggy paddle out to the. Uh, That's what I was Barrier thinking. Reef. Like you just kind of run in the water, dive in, and you swim yeah. out a little bit. You can you can start seeing it. Nah, you got to go like like miles. <laughs> to the ocean well i it. actually didn't know that that's pretty that's pretty wild i bet a lot of people like go to australia like tourists and they're like all right like about about to walk out to the great barrier reef oh never mind. another, another <laughs> uh another funny thing you actually aren't supposed to like you can see it but it's dangerous to do it because uh saltwater really? crocodiles are very active <laughs> oh, in that no. area <laughs> no oh my they're, god like the most aggressive uh like <laughs> like crocodile in the world not a salt, not a saltwater crocodile. <laughs> no, they eat it. They eat, they eat anything, and they're all they're like apparently like uh, there are like seasons during the year where there are tons of them on the beach. They just like sit on they're the beach chilling. Yeah, <laughs> dude. One time, I real not to like start us off on like a bunch of nonsense. Oh, you're good. Here, you're good. You're good. So I was in uh, Costa Rica once mm-hmm. surfing. Go out to this wave really fun have like a a fantastic time great great session as it's called come in guy who was like who like took us there or whatever was like oh man like that was fun we got lucky though and i was like what do you mean he's like oh usually like at least one person has an encounter with a gator really that spot (laughs) i swear i was like afterward 
<laughs> oh, you Perfect. don't say. Oh, really? oh. oh, you didn't say. Yeah. yeah. That's why well, I'm glad I know yeah. that now that I was just literally Survived. my life was in danger five minutes ago. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, I'll bring it back a little bit. Um, yeah. This is definitely a unique episode because I guess you're the first person on this podcast up to this point that isn't really associated with basketball. Um, but, you know, nevertheless, our relationship is really through the game and kind of, you know, through Charlie, your brother, who yep. was on an earlier episode. Anyway. Um, can, can you, yeah, I'd hope so. Um, <laughs> can, can you kind of speak to us and, and kind of share more about what you do and, and um, some of the things that you have accomplished? Yeah, sure. So uh, contrary to popular belief, I was I, I wasn't drafted into the NBA. Or, and I didn't, and I wasn't recruited to play college basketball. Welcome to the club. Welcome <laughs> to the club, baby. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, uh, so my name's Henry and I live in Los Angeles, California, and I'm a musician and uh, pretty much spend all day thinking of depressing lyrics to sing and um, <laughs> playing a lot of bass these days. And I just put out an album recently within the last couple months called Nito, which was my uh, debut full length. Which is fire, by the way. I've actually put it a couple of my teammates on it. Thank you. It's actually For real? really well done. That's good. Thank yeah, you. Man, actually, your, other, your, other, your other works have been shit, but this one was all right. <laughs> <laughs> I finally rose above. <laughs> what, what has that been like? Uh, we can start there. What has that been like for you putting out that album kind of in the middle of a pandemic with so much going on? And I know from the people that I know in music, uh, everyone kind of was like, this is the worst time to be putting out an album, unless you're yeah, Drake. Dude. Right, right. <laughs> Which, I, again, there is no, no time. Yeah. I'm not Drake. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, it, I, you know, it's interesting, man, honestly, like, I think at the beginning of lockdown, of the pandemic, when people didn't had sort of no idea what the future held, not that we really do still, but it was completely up in the air what was going on. I think a lot of music was pushed uh, and uh, releases were delayed. Uh, but then I think once we got like six months into it, people kind of said, well, this feels like the way things are gonna be for a while. Uh, there's nothing else we can do other than record music because you can't play shows. Uh, right. So we might as well record music and release music because people are just sitting in their homes and their computer uh you know waiting burning through uh the sopranos for the 90th time they want you know yeah. who, who doesn't want a new a new album so i you know that's sort of where i came from with it and i you know i think also too like it's it's like it's kind of corny but it's just true like i had been sitting on these songs for a while and I kind of felt in my heart that I had to put them out <laughs> yeah you know it's like you you reach a certain point where you you say okay for me as an artist in order to grow I have to release this music because otherwise I'm gonna be stagnant and like stay yeah. in the same place like artistically creatively so i i was like screw it i'm gonna do what i had been planning to you know i had a whole plan to like yeah 
do release shows and how I was going to like go about. Um, yeah, rolling you know, it out. Rolling it out. Yeah, exactly. And all that stuff. And Hey, Henry, random question, um, yeah. musician question. Uh, hearing you say that, what are your thoughts on like artists that like just make a ton of music and then just stash it? That's a good question. I you know, like you hear rappers say, like, I got like 200 songs that I haven't released yet. Right, right, right. Or like the Dre, what's that? What's that like Dre album that he's been working on for like three decades? Like, I forget yeah, what it's yeah, called. Yeah, I've heard it too. Whatever. But there's like this, le that legend that like he yeah. has this uh -huh. album that has all these features. It's the best album ever. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. everyone's waiting for him to put it out and all that. Uh, you know, I think it's, it's honestly, dude, it's like, it's a to each his own kind of thing. That's mm -hmm. the only, everyone, because there's no, um, especially in music, because there's no, there's a music industry, mm -hmm. but there's no infrastructure at all to it anymore. Right. It's the most random in terms of who has success and who doesn't of like any of the entertainment industries, I think. Because in mm -hmm. film and TV, you still have the studio system, you know, right. uh, you see you have these streaming services that it's not like any, you know, anyone like i actually have as much access or as much uh I, I potentially have as wide of a breadth of an audience as drake for example mm. like because he puts his songs on spotify and so do i right. you yeah. know like that's the movie theater so to speak mm -hmm. um so <laughs> I, I think i think that because of that it's just sort of that that filters down to how people release music as well. Like I think people right. can play it. That, that that's that's uh, it's a blessing and a curse, you know, because you can play it however you want. Like you can play it like someone who's like Frank Ocean, who just puts out an album, and then he is a hermit for like six years, you know, mm -hmm. and that works for him. Uh, or you can be Gucci Mane and put out an, a full length album every month. For right. five years, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I've sort of found that I, you know, I go, that's like the biggest stressor, like of my, <laughs> you really hit a, a, a soft spot there, Vic. Oh, did I? <laughs> I started crying right now. Yeah. The hard hitting uh, questions. It's a hard hit. It, I mean, it kind of is honestly, because it's like, yeah. you know, with this album as an example, I was like, okay, I have no control really over whether or not right. it's going to be successful. Who's going to hear this? It's the only thing that I have to go by is what do I, what works for me? What makes me feel good? Mm -hmm. And and I was like, putting this album out is going to make me feel good and yeah. fulfilled, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, that's, that's, and that's, that's how that's much how of that, that's how it is. You kind of brought it up earlier. And I know from my experience, just in what we do at Bristol and, and for other artists that I've talked to, um, you're kind of working ahead, right? So the music that we're hearing, like Nito, um, is music you've recorded a long time ago you're kind of mm -hmm. you you're kind of sick of it in a way right because it's something you've listened yeah. to you've worked on uh you've beaten your head against the wall about it you've rewritten it like all those things have gone into it and then finally it's released and you're already working on new music or new projects so how much of that yeah. was part of i need to put this out because this is not where i'm at as an artist anymore i need to release mm -hmm. it and continue to you know mature and grow was that part of that thought process I think it was to a degree, I, I, you know, I sort of, I've thought about this before too. And I, I kind of have, I have like a sort of a metaphor that works perfectly yeah. for it. 
uh, which is if you imagine like a piece of taffy, basically, right? And depending on how you're stretching it, it's going to like droop at certain points. Mm-hmm. But then it'll rise again if you like stretch it more, you know, and yeah. become like taut in certain spots mm-hmm. as well. And like, I find that with an album, so it's sort of like, it's alive and it's dead. It's alive and it's dead. You know, it's like taut yeah. or drooping, taut or drooping. So it's like, for me, the process of with this record was like, all right, I write the songs and the taffy's very taut. Like I'm feeling super vital, like re- alive with it. Right. Cause I'm like loving the music. And then like, I'm recording it and mixing it. And then it kind of droops. Like I kind of, I'm like, Ugh, because it's a slog, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, that's just like it's like some busy work kind of going with it and then I finished the recording and I'm like oh amazing like I feel so good because it's like a finished product and so it's taught again and then I have to go through the rigmarole of like okay how am I going to put this out am I going to work with a manager or PR company you know whatever blah 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 so then it like kind of dies again and then when I put it out it sort of is born yeah. again like it has another life to it so i i i was think i think i was wary of not waiting too long so that it really so that the music really died for me like emotion like it didn't have any impact for me anymore because it was mm-hmm. so sort of in the past you know i was like mm-hmm. i have to put i sort of said to myself like all right i gotta be careful and i have to put this like i have to not wait too long and i have to put this out now so that i i'm not like sick of it for the rest of my life yeah you know, and you brought you brought up an interesting point. Um, I want to kind of ask more about how has the business side of music and the music industry affected you as an artist, and and kind of walk us through maybe you know if you're assigned to a label, um, if you do have managers or agents, and and, and all of that kind of yeah. how that's worked for you, and and what you like and dislike, and just that whole process. Yeah, I'm. Uh, so I've worked with a record company before verve they're called but it didn't really work out we just sort of like went in different directions creatively so with nito so what you like, you saw yourself as one type of artist and they saw you as another type of artist uh yeah no i i guess so it was sort of like the i would compare it to like selling a script uh-huh. like you know where you get an option where it's like they buy the script and they own it for a certain amount of time. But then if they, they can't find the right audience for it, they can't sell it, like whatever, then you get it back basically. Got you. So like that's sort of what happened with the record label to, to some degree. Uh, and then, uh, so now I'm told pretty much a hundred percent independent. I work with some PR uh just to like basically get on like a good email list uh and and not that i'm belittling the help that they do for me they're really helpful but yeah you know it's 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 important to have someone on your side to like navigate the press uh and and speaking to that you were on jimmy fallon what was that two weeks ago i was i didn't shout either of you out i'm sorry no, it's okay. But how how did that process? How did that go? How did that come about? Was that through the PR agency? I mean, he just he just bullies his way on the podcast. But when he has a chance to talk about ninety four and more, nope, never heard of it. Yeah, I, I skirted that. 
they were like, could you tell us about 94? And what, are you doing that podcast? I was like, ah, I'm not talking about that. Sorry. Never heard of it. <laughs> Never heard of Won't it. speak on it. Yeah. But yeah, uh, that like. Yeah, dude, that was uh, pretty surreal. <laughs> that was like a, a career life goal come true. Um, basically what happened was I got pitched to Fallon. Just like from the I, through the PR agency yeah. that you work, mm-hmm. uh, just like you know you would through to any other outlet, uh, and they listened and liked it, and they're like, "Yeah, let's have you on the show." And I was like, "Holy, okay," <laughs> you know, I I was really surprised, yeah. uh, but you know, Fallon, it's they, they sort of put on a lot of like they co-sign a lot of like smaller artists and give a lot of people breaks, um, which is amazing and like rare these days, I think. Uh, It's sort of part of their identity. And I think it's a very admirable thing. Uh, They basically reached out and they were like, yeah, okay, we're going to have you on uh, like on this date. So put something together and, you know, here are like a few specifics of like what the uh, video, (laughs) like what the MP4, like the dot, mov like file should be and good luck <laughs> so they didn't so they didn't give you any like outside assistance they kind of just told you this is the content format we need in order to air it on the show good luck figure it out do whatever you want to do yeah totally i mean it, it, it they i you know it's pretty <clears throat> awesome like yeah. they're they're they kind of give you like a totally open canvas they're like all right have like three and a half minutes on our show to do what you want to do like play whatever song you want like they didn't no specification about anything and uh no cursing though you couldn't curse no cursing that's true i did have to say f off which which is the toughest part because that's my favorite part of that song i know when you say fuck off (laughs) and you had to change it to f off which is still great but it it, i definitely remember listening to that and noticing yeah the well you'll get it the music video is coming soon soon, okay so so you'll get the actual fuck in that, there you go. <laughs> the, the video yeah <laughs> yeah dude i mean i it was it was great and it was also like such a boon creatively for me because i got to like fucking play with a band yeah <laughs> and rehearse which mm. i hadn't done in months because of the pandemic right uh yeah dude it was it was it was awesome we went up to santa barbara and shot it up there my two friends Ethan Young and Hannah Baker directed who are both like insanely talented. I like could not have done it without them. They like really um, put the whole project together and Dylan Bostick who produced Nito uh, produced the, the track or like, you know, he like recorded mm-hmm. what we did and we did a few takes and then uh, smushed together the, the things we liked and, and that was it. So what, uh, when you, uh, you know, when it finished all of it, what was it like watching it? Like, did you guys all uh, kind of go to one of your houses and like, you know, I can only imagine like if I were to like record something like that and be on a show. Like if I did SNL and I knew it was going to like air next yeah. week, I'd be like, well, I'd have like a, a full little party to watch it. <laughs> well, you would if if you, if there wasn't the threat, the, the looming threat of a uh, novel virus. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, obviously, but I'm saying like you, you and your band. Oh yeah, no, oh, like well, small group, dude. Unfortunately, I literally watched it with Charlie and my girlfriend Bryce. <laughs> like, that's not, hey, that's not a bad way. That's not I, a bad I mean, way to was, do it. It was, it was great, but yeah, no, we couldn't. But I, but believe me, the FaceTiming, the FaceTime was popping. 
Um, yeah. Many parties involved on the FaceTime, screaming on the FaceTime. <laughs> but uh, uh, but you said you said that that's kind of like a lifelong you know dream, um, and I want to ask more about that. Kind of taking it back to the early days, was music something that you always loved and always were picking up new instruments and and what was that like for you? Did you teach yourself everything? Did you take lessons? Yeah, I took guitar lessons uh, pretty much my whole life, primarily like jazz guitar, as you know, because we went to the same high school, Crossroads. We have a yep. very, what's the word I'm looking for right now? Are you talking about the for, arts the, programs, the, the musical? Yeah, dude. <laughs> jazz, we, we uh, prestigious. Jazz program. Prestigious. Oh, Woo! the prestigious Sorry. jazz program. A little moment there. Uh, yeah, very prestigious jazz program, um, which I was a part of. <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> and that's how I sort of like learn how to learn my chops, like with guitar, you know? Yeah, I don't know. There was something, I think the, my guitar, I sort of like developed my songwriting and my style of guitar playing separate from like what I was learning in lessons and at school, because I sort of, I, I didn't have the yeah. greatest time <laughs> in yeah. the jazz program maybe nothing against them personally or anything obviously but it just wasn't really I was never like the biggest jazz <clears throat> person so it always felt like a little like rebellious to be right it be like playing rock guitar and like writing my own like you know yeah basically very generally rock music so um but I always like sort of felt like I was like oh, okay like a little bit of jazzy stuff is getting in here, here and there. Uh, and, you know, there's so many different types of chords that come along with jazz guitar that are not really present in rock. And that kind of helped give a little bit of a different flavor to my guitar playing at an, at an early age. I'm curious though, like, was this something that you just kind of stumbled into on your own? Were your parents, because from my knowledge, I mean, your parents are in entertainment um, and we kind of discussed that on, with Charlie on the previous episode, but, um, were they pushing you towards music or they kind of just let you find it or, or what was no, that? Like? I mean, no, honestly, they, what they let me come to it naturally. They're both very musical people, especially my dad. Uh, if you spend more than 20 minutes in my house, you'll either hear him play piano or guitar or sing like a Beatles song or something. Um, so he was a huge influence and he showed me a lot of stuff early on that I still listen to today, like that, that, that had a big impact on my songwriting, like the Smiths and Simon and Garfunkel and um, people like this, you know, like James Brown, Sly, Parliament, people like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, he definitely, he never was like, you need to play music. Yeah. Well, th that's actually not true. I'm definitely forced into, into some piano lessons, like very early on. I, I think we but all that, were. That was that was just for like some cuteness points. Yeah, because they nothing nothing hypes up a parent more than the old camcorder at the piano <laughs> recital. It's a must. Yeah. So on that point, do you have a favorite band or artist that you kind of have used to guide you as you find out more and more about who you are as an artist? It's hard to pick one. You can pick a couple. Growing up. The Smiths were pretty big. They're that. The, that's that's Vic's lyrics. favorite band. 
As you can tell by Vic's response, that's his favorite band. <laughs> I don't know who that is. They're basically, they're like a 80s sort of like, they're sort of like the original like indie rock band, I would say, okay. kind of. They're like, okay. they're from like Manchester, England. Right. Uh, and their lyrics are like super duper emo, uh, but like kind of fun, <laughs> kind of like very witty, also very yeah. English seeming, you know what I mean? Okay. Like very like their lead singer, this guy Morrissey, who like has had a lot of, uh, <laughs> he's found, found himself, himself in some hot water, like politically as of late. Yeah. But back then he was like, uh, his sexuality was like up in the air. He was, he had a, a sort of very like, his voice was like a little bit more like feminine and his lyrics were like, sort of more like highfalutin and like had a sense of humor to them. Like yeah. Very like, it had like a wink to them, like in a, uh, in mm -hmm. a way, uh, like it, like a lyric would be like in one of their songs, he says, when I'm lying in my bed, I think about life and I think about death and neither one particularly appeals to me. It's like stuff mm -hmm. like that, you know? And like, he, yeah. he sings it, but the melody is like really like happy, go lucky, but he like sings yeah. a lyric like that. You know what I mean? It's like a very, a lot of like, a lot of juxtaposition kind of with the space and, and 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 you know when you're like six when you're like a music obsessed like 16 17 year old and you hear that you're like holy shit this is good <laughs> <laughs> you're like this fucking bangs <laughs> so uh, did you kind of uh did you kind of want that like did you um yeah yeah do you I want mean, that like rock star kind of uh kind of vibe is that like a dream of yours no, to be like a Mick I mean, Jagger, I'm more interested in like making music that makes people feel that feel. You know, when you like hear a song that you really love, and there's not yeah. really anything like it. It's like better than mm -hmm. watching a movie you love. It's like better than like watching your favorite team like win. Yeah, you just, just play like, the hell out of it. So you play like 30, 30 to you. Yeah, you could literally listen to it 30, like you can't watch a movie 30 times in a row. Yeah. You know, you can't like, I mean, you can, I guess. But like, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? There's, like, yeah, there's no. something to yeah, like yeah. a song you love. And like, that's what I'm really mm -hmm. after. I want to write, I want to write song. There's songwriting is really the thing that I uh, am drawn to the most. And like, I want to write songs like that where people feel that right. way for them, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm not so really what? like, I'm not dying to be like, the to have like the rock star like vibe like that energy yeah. necessarily mm -hmm. i mean it's cool but like i'm not like feeding for it yeah yeah right you know what i mean so let's say looking forward to the next five years right i know you just put out this project <clears throat> and i'm sure you're already working on uh, upcoming projects and and things that you want to bring to life so what does the next five years look like to you if it could all go as planned in your head what does that look like great question it's, I feel like it's a, that's a, uh, a common one, but it holds a lot more weight nowadays. Yeah. Um, especially because the live music industry has been hit like one of the hardest of anything, like during the pandemic. I hope that I can be touring because uh, that's my favorite thing in the world to do is play shows. What about uh, it specifically uh, for you? You know, for me, dude, like I'm, I'm an introvert. I think a lot of, I think people sometimes think that I'm extroverted because I'm like cracking jokes or something, but I'm actually quite introverted. Like <laughs> I, to me, the definition of like an introvert. That's, that's or interesting. 
Well, an, an extrovert is someone who yeah. like gets energy from like, or feels energized by being around other people, but they can be shy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But they just like to be, that is what gives them energy. It's like going to the party, like being around a big group, like whatever it might be. Like Charlie is an extrovert. Yeah. But that's me, for sure. like I, I don't, when I'm around people in a big group and I'm like, I feel the impulse to entertain and to like, give, 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 give joke, 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 make everybody laugh, make everybody feel good. But then afterwards I need to be by myself for like 48 hours. <laughs> you know, I have to yeah, take it draining. in like small doses, you know, like, so then, like, was it? Yeah. I'm sure Vic, like, I, you know, like I remember when Vic was visiting in LA or whenever anyone visits it, it, like is staying with like in my house when like Vic was visiting with Charlie, it's like, I could hang out with them for like an hour and like be really on and like totally fully engaged and like having a great time. But then like, I have to go, like, I can't take it for more than that <laughs> with anybody, you know, I'm like, I'm over it. like immediately, you know, mm. not immediately, but like it's, it's After I an hour. have limited capacity. And for me, performing, like, it fits into that same formula because, like, mm -hmm. I can be on stage and I give, 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 give. Then you're gone. You know? And then it's done. And I go, like, I fucking hate the after party, you know, like, after a show. Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. like, when the show ends, dude, I'm like, okay. Like, I literally, my mind switches immediately, immediately goes to how am I going to get out of this after party? How? <laughs> like the thing that actually makes me the most anxious of, at a show is uh, like, okay, who's here? Who yeah. do I have to but, say hi to after what is going to be the dynamic after the show? The show itself, I'm down. Like it's very clear cut what it needs to be. It's like, I need to be on stage giving my all for 45 minutes. I can do that. No problem. In fact, I love to do that. But then after I'm, I'm done, like I had a band mate in college who was sort of like the opposite like yeah he, he he loved the show but the thing he really loved was like partying afterwards like going mm -hmm. to party after and like socializing yeah. and like sounds like Vic. mingling and networking and all that you know yeah. where do you guys fall on that scale would you say well jake just jake just threw in the bus and just set up the, <laughs> the after party guy no so i i guess uh I, an example would be like we won yesterday right and uh yeah. and i got a text literally about the after party. it was the <laughs> Oh yeah, the whole day was the after party. Yeah, but uh, and are you like? I would are say, you, <laughs> were you looking forward to that? Like when you won, were you like, yes, nah, like I get to party? Um, yeah, a little, a bit. Like yeah, I yeah, just yeah, wanted to win, funny. and once right. we won, it was like, oh my god, and it was uh. So just putting it in perspective, yesterday was also their Independence Day. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> so it was uh. So like a ton of you know everyone had the day off type of thing. We played at two p.m. It was uh, their Independence Day is, is weird because it it has racial undertones that like kind of like with our Columbus Day when we kind of like kick oh, Native Americans in. Their Independence Day is when their Aboriginals kind of were forced, you know, kind of marginalized and forced off. So their oh, their wow, their Independence Day is, is, is yeah is, is interesting and weird and has different dynamics. I'm not educated yeah, yeah. enough to really speak that deeply on it it's a, it's but a i mixed, do know it's a mixed mixed emotions yeah. though 
Yeah, definitely. At least. So, but I do know our game was sold out because everyone had a day off. It was at 2 p.m. And we beat a good team. And we had the rest of the day at the day off. So, I didn't know that. (laughs) He he texted me. So, Vic texted me before the game. He said, today's after your breakout game for me. So, now, having all this content, you did. No, I know I did. I'm saying, yeah, absolutely. Well, a tradition with the team, when you win, you drink a beer. Oh, yeah, of course. course. This it's is like this incredible. <laughs> I love this team. Yeah. <laughs> we need to win every fucking game then. No, I mean, it, it, I'm That's sure crazy. you guys had a good time. But for me, I I think I like um, I like the idea of the after party. I'm always, like, excited about the idea of the after party. But I think, like, let's say there was an event or, like, a big thing um, before the after party. Yeah. I'm usually very drained by the time we get to the after party. Mm-hmm. So, like... Yeah. It could go one of two ways. It could go either way. I could be fully up for it, or I could be like wiped out and just sitting at a table, like chilling. But yeah, the idea, yeah, 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 the yeah. idea of the after party is something like I always welcome. But I think, like you talking about performing, and obviously Vic playing a basketball game, like those things to me, just take so much out of you. Um, so I I can't really imagine what that is like. You know, I've never had to perform on a stage in front of a crowd of people. And I'm curious for you, what makes you more nervous performing for people that you know, or performing yeah. for people that you don't know? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That's a good question, dude, for sure. Uh, people that I know hundred percent. How I come? Get, Cause you care what they think or what their opinion might be or, or how they respond they or see the full picture. They see the full context. Yeah. It's less of you're a saying like, if you're saying like, if your family's there, you're more nervous than if it's just a random show and, Yes. Indianapolis or something. 100%. Because those random people in Indianapolis, they get, I get to, I mean, like, I'm in total control of the situation mm-hmm. because they're only getting to see me for when I'm on stage. So I can be like, all right, I'm going to portray this person. This, I'm going to portray how I'm feeling right now to these people. Mm-hmm. And that's how they're going to interpret me. Whereas like, when, like, honestly, the most nervous that I get is when I, when my parents are like, oh, Henry, can you play a song for us? Like when like my aunt and uncle are in town or something like an mm-hmm. extended family, people who know me and who are close to me, I'm afraid. And we're going to judge the fuck out of you. Yeah. Yeah. For <laughs> real. Because they have the context, like they have like other information Yeah, and I don't want them also a lot of my songs are like kind of grim, you know, they can be depressing as hell. <laughs> and uh, I don't want to like scare my family a little bit. <laughs> I know that sounds like dramatic, but like, I'm a little bit like, uh, I don't want to like, I want to hold do too much here. Yeah. yeah. Like I don't want to make them think <clears throat> like something's wrong. Right. You know? So I have to sort of chill. <laughs> like I can't go fully like I can't go. How you want? How you want to go? Right. So, yeah, so yeah, that like that I, affects you yeah. more in your performance than you know if you're yeah. if you're up there in front of a bunch of random people, you don't care. You're doing your whole thing. Yeah, yeah I can like let go. You know, like let loose. Um, I'm not as like tight up. You know, like tense yeah. feeling. Um, I guess uh, going along with that. Uh, well, two things. Well, I would say going along with the extrovert introvert thing. Yeah. Uh, Jake is a good mix of both. I think. Uh-huh. Uh, Definitely work hard, play hard type of guy, but 
once that battery hits zero, it's like uh, it's gotta recharge. Crash. Yeah, I yeah, feel, yeah. I, yeah. I feel like it, when I start getting low, like I can still probably go through the night. You know, obviously, yeah, as I'm, yeah. I'm getting older, I'm slow, <laughs> slowing down. Like a night out hits me way harder than the next morning than it used to. Not a 19 year old. Oh my god. <laughs> but um, um, uh, so tell us about like you know you used to say your songs are uh, grim. Tell me like what where your inspiration for your music comes from, and what do you think your identity as an artist like? What are you singing or writing about? Like, is there a thing like you know like that is like what you write about or? Yeah, I think, um, you know, man, I honestly, I, so because my background really is in guitar, mm -hmm. for the most part, 90% of my songs start with chords, like mm -hmm. guitar, guitar melody or chords. Mm -hmm. um, and then to sort of fill in the spaces, like of what I want to sing, uh, I, start to sing random words and a word here and there kind of like catches my eye or whatever mind mm -hmm. and then that that's the tangent that i follow and that becomes the song like oh. i very rarely am like walking on the street and i see like a tree that's green and i'm like oh the green tree song <laughs> you know right. like i don't like mm -hmm. i'm not lyric i don't like think of a lyric and then write the song that's happened like a handful of times only. And I also, I, I also like don't, I rarely have songs too, where I'm like, Oh, I want to write a song about it's all very, or it comes organically and it starts with melody. It doesn't start with like uh, subject matter. Lyrics. Lyrics. Yeah, no, okay. mm -mm, not really. I mean, you know, I've had, times where I've like I think of a melody and I've got some chords and I'm kind of singing along like kind of vamping on something and then I'm like oh there wait that what was that one little phrase I I like heard or like thought of the other day and then that gets plugged in to what I've thought of well what's now. interesting like, is I think when we were in Santa Barbara I think I actually saw you like in a, in a process of uh, we were just sitting by the pool and you had um you're good guitar you had something like you're strumming something and like humming and singing to yourself and uh yeah i was me, probably like hit, out there. i was probably hitting the voice memos dude that's what i that's yeah. like my like number one songwriting tools i like record on my phone little mm -hmm. 15 20 second diddlies and then i f often i'll forget about it forget about them and then two weeks later i'm like going through my voice memos and i hear a little something and i'm like oh i kind of like that and then it becomes a song it's like it's kind do of you ever way. do you ever write it down or do you, is it always the phone like you have like a little notebook that's like this is like henry's like gyms yeah 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 so it's funny like i've tried to do that because i think like aesthetically mm -hmm. that's super appealing yeah <laughs> to like, like you walk like around the little little notebook yeah exactly yeah. with like my little notepad like writing stuff and you don't let anyone see it you seal it the whole thing yeah exactly uh i was actually watching a <laughs> really quickly was watching a Simpsons the other day Simpsons episode where Lisa gets a, a diary that like has this function where like if someone opens it who that, that, that like doesn't own the diary it closes and goes excess denied and then shocks the person <laughs> so they're like so like Homer like so you need that up and he's like blah, 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 getting shocked yeah, yeah no I, I don't have one of those anyway I yeah but so like I've had like probably like a 
15 times like try to start like a little notebook but i never mm. like keep it up i write it in my notes in my like notes app right? oh, okay yeah oh yeah on that point um for you when you want to write music right is it something that just happens naturally where you're not thinking oh i need to write a song right now you just kind of you feel that urge or you feel something and then you go to your notes or your voice memo or or do you find yourself like i'm going to sit down for three hours today and i'm going to play my guitar and write songs how, how do you go about that it's all it's 80 percent of the time organic where i but it always starts with picking up the guitar yeah always like i just like to play a guitar like i'm sure you feel this way with basketball it's like uh, like i'm feeling a little like uh something i need to let out a little like energy yeah yeah go to the gym and like put up some shots Mm -hmm. it's the same exact thing for me yeah i'm like i'm i get home and i'm like i have like the urge to play guitar so i do yeah and if i don't get sick of it within the first like few minutes then i'll then something will come and like i'll write something i i sometimes though like on the rare occasion i'll go like a month without writing anything and i'm like oh fuck i haven't written anything in a while (laughs) so i do do that where i'm like okay i need to take an hour here and like write something even if it's trash just bring yourself back to that that kind of mind state yes and you have anybody else that huh do you have anyone else that will help you write or is it just all you it's all me isolated the independent artist in my little cave yeah (laughs) i do all the writing i uh my friend dylan uh helps me with production though because i oh. i don't really i mean i kind of know what i'm doing but he's like an actual professional <laughs> producer and mixer that so helps, that, I, helps. that out help, which helps yeah uh, so i hit when i'm hitting the stew studio i do it, <laughs> i do it with him yeah so what, like a uh, random uh no, go ahead Jake, sorry no, no go ahead go ahead uh random questions they're like um as an artist is there like you know, as you kind of continue to build your reputation and build your image, is there any artist you want to like have like a feature with on one of your songs that you'd like, like if Drake was like, Henry, I want you to jump on this, this summer banger I got. I mean, what if I was like, nah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> nah. That would be, that would be next level. That would be nice. If you turn, yo, if you that, turn that, Drake that actually, down. That actually might work out better for me because then I'd be like the guy who turned down Drake. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, honestly, like, I think uh, the feature, uh, I don't want to call it a trend because it's, like, more than a trend, but the idea of, like, the feature and, like, collaboration in that way is quite appealing to me. Uh, If Young Thug, I hope he's feeling better, by the way, because he's, like, having some medical issues recently. Mm -hmm. If he reached out to me and was like, yo, I want you to, like, do a verse on this track i'd be like okay <laughs> i think do a ver- the most i he's the most would you rap or would you still stay within your uh genre no i mean i think that you know like um that the like form of having like the rap verses and the sung choruses mm. is fucking genius i don't know who mm. thought of that like originally like i'd like to actually look that up to see like what the first song was that had like a catch it like a hooky chorus mm-hmm. and then someone raps for a verse mm-hmm. and then back to the court you know that whole thing uh because that's like ingenious yeah. i i i would i mean like what's that's friends of the monster is out in our head 
No, no. Can we pretend that airplanes in the night sky? Oh, B O B and Paramore, right? Yeah. What's the lead singer from? When Paramore? I when I first heard that, I was like, "This fucking whoever's singing this is so smart that they yeah. jumped on this song. Like, that's genius." Uh, because no one wants to hear like people would rather hear a rap verse than a sung verse, but they'd rather hear a sung chorus than a rap yeah. chorus, right? Yeah. To me. So anyway, yeah, I don't know. Any any rapper who like wanted me to sing a chorus, I would be, I would um, absolutely pounce on that shit. I would be so fucking down. Doesn't sound like a well, bad collaboration. I'm just well, Jake, Jake, we're gonna. I'm glad you're recording because we're gonna keep this because when I start rapping, I'm gonna hit up Henry <laughs> like, well, I'm ready. Hop on I'm it. Big ready. I'm ready. <laughs> Remember what you said. Receipt. What? Here's Collab. the receipt. Here's oh, the yeah. receipt. <laughs> Yeah. And we're running out of time here. Um, I actually had a ton of questions. I mean, since, since big time here is on a tight schedule. <laughs> no, hey, he's uh, a hard man to book. Kobe's anniversary. Speaking yeah. that you're in LA, Jake, you as well. To uh, give us some some Kobe memories and what Kobe not being here means to you. That's a that's a heavy one, man. To be honest, I was not the only person who shed many tears the day that I found out that he died. It was like, you know what? I'm not, I, I don't, I, I'm not going to talk about the like sadness of that day. I think what's yeah. more important is to like, remember what he meant to every single person who ever like was influenced by him or encountered him in any way. Mm-hmm. You just hear these stories today from people saying that like oh he is the most influential person that i ever knew in my entire life because mm. there's something that he was able to do which i think is really the apex it's like the pinnacle of like human existence which is he married hard work the hardest work with creative expression like he was able to be artistic with how he played basketball, but also work at it like a true craft. It was right, as yeah. if he was a carpenter, right? Or something like someone with a, like a, a, a trade skill, mm. uh, a, an expert painter. He was mm. like, he was like Picasso mixed with fucking bill gates or something you know and yeah. I, I don't know and, and the just those kinds of people man they come onto this earth once every 200 300 years uh, yeah, was once every generation right? it's a generational person that you I just think never he's really even more see. than a generational person to me i i, I think he is mm-hmm. he's like ex- he is like exists outside of that kind of thing like he is a mythical like being yeah Well, that's the thing I I was going to say was uh, everything you said, you know, kind of captures how I feel about Kobe. But uh, Vic said, what's a personal story? And I remember when I was like eight, I was in the high five squad, the Lakers playing the Clippers. And we got the high five squad. The high five squad is like they find like 10 kids and they bring them down to the floor level. And you get to high five the players when they run out of the tunnel and you get Mm -hmm. to chill behind the bench. Um, and just like talk to them and, and just during a game them. uh before it's like during warm-up like pre-game oh, and they're okay. shooting and yeah, stuff yeah. um 
and that's, it's just that's well, the thing was, was like about that that sounds it nice. just happened and i don't it, yeah. we just knew somebody who saw us and like brought us down and um i just remember like being in kobe's presence was one of those things like Shaq was there high five all these guys was super cool but there's something about kobe where like he's this god he's this mythical figure but seeing him in person seeing his dedication to his craft kind of in a way shows you like this is a human being this is somebody who just mm-hmm. works very very hard um yes mm-hmm. he has talent and skill but the work ethic is something that you can create for yourself yeah. um that you know it, it showed you like he's human you know he really is a human being he doesn't just walk out here and just make every shot he takes he doesn't not stress like he participates and goes above and beyond and stays after hours gets there before everybody so you kind of see like all right this work doesn't just come naturally he actually works hard for it um and i think that was one of the things that i I take away from him Um, yeah word that's actually so i I love that because like he it was it wasn't as if he just was born this way didn't he just coasted by and he got they got to the top it was like he had the talent of someone who was like born with that kind of talent and he worked a human element too yeah, it took it to another level. It's unbelievable. It's kind of crazy to think about because of, uh, like, as a person who does pride themselves on work ethic, like, he was crazy about it, right? Like, his was on a different kind of plane, right? Like, you, you would think, like, because um, when you talk about, like, like so at basketball, for example, you talk about players, and uh, people want to say, like, an example would be Steph Curry. People would say, like, oh, you know, everyone, you know, Steph's, like, the, the guy that, like, the, the random 28-year-old can go in the gym and play like Steph Curry because Steph's not 6'11". He doesn't have a 7 right, right, wingspan. Right. Can't jump super high. Like, like, you know, all that, he, you know, whatever. Yeah. And Kobe had a – like, Kobe was talented. Yes, like you said, Kobe had that, like, generational talent. Yep. But he also had, like, a skill that we all could have. But nobody is ever going to, like, match up to, like, that work – like, that work ethic is unbelievable, right? Yeah. Like, it's, it's almost like he had a skill that could – be emulated but won't be emulated if that makes it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like yeah. like you know like you hear yeah yeah like you hear the stories about kobe like working and really like just his thought process obviously the mama mentality but like him saying going to the olympics on a stacked olympic team yeah waking up at three in the waking up at three in the morning working out until five and then having practice at seven him just sleeping at the gym rolling into practice <laughs> killing everybody and then shooting again after and like yeah. that was his like routine, you know. It just was my my one of my favorites was the is it Jay Williams Jay Williams story where Jay like reached out to somebody to to get into a gym before their game. Like he wanted to get in at like five a.m. Oh yeah, and he thought like, he thought day. he was uh... and he was like, I'm gonna be the only one in here. Like I got this book. Kobe found out he was going, and Kobe was there like two hours earlier or an hour earlier. And by the time <laughs> yeah, he got yeah, there, yeah. Kobe was drenched in sweat, and and he he had Jay beat that moment when Jay saw him. He was like, oh god. Over. This is gonna be a long yeah, night. Nah, Fucking wrap. But but yeah, I don't know, Vic. Do you have any? I, other I wish. One? I wish I had a story. I don't really have any Kobe. I never like interacted with him or met him or anything. He just was. Yeah. I mean, for you know, just quickly, someone growing up in LA as well. He's like a local yeah. hero, too. Yeah. So not only is he like this global citizen, this guy who is influential to people around the world. Uh, 
and also someone who spoke like five languages. You know, he's like, a, he's also, by the way, an academic yeah. genius. Yeah. Incredibly yeah. smart. Uh, just <laughs> side note, spoke five languages. Uh, but, you know, he was also like, he like represented LA. It was like the best thing in the world, dude. Yeah, yeah. And he was like Mr. Fucking, LA. He was Mr. LA, dude. He was Mr. L.A. I also loved how, how you either loved or hated him. Like, it wasn't like, a, yeah, Kobe's all right. You either, like, loved Kobe or you, like, hate yeah. Kobe. People hated him. Like, a lot of kids, you know what's interesting, actually, is a lot of kids, like, in, in my high school, it's like, if their parents were from the East Coast, like, Knicks fans, Celtics fans, or whatever, yeah. fucking despised Kobe. Because their parents were like, oh, Kobe Bryant, like, ball hog like that yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> yeah. and then we were and then we always took the angle of like no like you know he's the mamba mentality etc yeah. you know i don't know yeah man special special human being may he and rest a, in peace a tough loss for sure yeah. i don't even know how to transition from that but uh well, there I'm is glad we talked about it to be honest it's, me too it's necessary there is one thing I did want to ask you um, sure. before we finished up, Henry. Um, you also act, or you at least From acted time, in an episode yeah. of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, yeah. What's, what's the story behind that, first of all? <laughs> and second of all, from what I've heard, it's a lot of improv on that show, right? So how much of that scene was improvised? Uh, how much wasn't? And just kind of take us through that. Sure. Can someone tell me now, what Curb Your Enthusiasm is? Curb Your Enthusiasm is the uh, uh, show, the show that Larry David did after Seinfeld. He's the guy who created ah, okay. Seinfeld. You know it if you saw if you saw you, you would love Curb Your Enthusiasm. You would yeah. yeah. You would love it, dude. Okay, it's so funny. I'm all of you. That's why I haven't seen it. And Charlie's in it too. Or, Joe, Charlie wasn't in it, was he? No. Nah. No, he wasn't. Some, sorry, I mixed it up. Charlie was in. I'm Australian, mate. I, I haven't seen it. I'm Australian, mate. Yeah, he Vix. He's got the Australian radio team coming in there. He's like pure Australian media. Cole Kidman's gonna come hang later. Uh, no, but uh, yeah, that was really wild. I'm honored, honored to have been on that show uh, and act opposite of Larry David, uh, which is bizarre to say uh basically you're given like a skeleton of a did you audition for it but you auditioned right or it wasn't just you just got the part okay i read for it yeah uh basically they give you like an outline of what the scene is with like one line that you're supposed to say and then they're like say basically like land this line like say this one line you know that like well it helps the story basically and then just like go off and do whatever you want and i actually in our first there was like a lot of blocking involved like i had to like be in an ambulance like get out of the ambulance and like put coffee like be holding coffee cups like it was a little bit complicated uh, for (laughs) how short of a scene it was and uh my first i was like okay i don't know why oh my god it's like it gives me like makes me cringe thinking about it the first take larry says like where you you know you think you can park here or something and i'm like uh fuck you that's what i said to him i just like went full out and was like fuck you <laughs> and like walked away and no. immediately like i thought i was like i'm gonna like just you know take it to Nail him it. like right yeah. off the bat immediately i knew that i'd blown blown it basically <laughs> like 
that I wasn't supposed to do that. The director came up to me and was like, okay, okay, like take it down a notch. Don't do that. <laughs> do anything else other than that, basically. Take, whoa, all right. Yeah, yeah, new yeah. guy, new guy. On uh, no, it was oh. total, it was total like new guy vibes, like like trying to- Hey, at least you went for it. Yeah. At no, least you I, went all in. I Hopefully I garnered a little respect for that. But then, yeah, we just did like sort of little improv bit bits after that couple takes it was really fun <laughs> oh that's good that's actually yeah. really funny i yeah i i love the backstory behind it because otherwise you would have no idea that you just you got one opportunity to say line the first thing you thought was fuck you yeah and yeah, then yeah. you got in trouble and had to like reset yeah um is, is that something that you look forward to doing more of more acting uh yes and no i uh, i don't really all the sort of like emotional benefits and extrovert, introvert, all these different complexities, yeah. things we've been talking about with music, don't really feel that with acting personally. I just, I don't really, when I am acting, I don't feel as much stuff um, as I do when I'm playing music. So I'm not really trying to yeah. pursue it so much because I think you have to really love it and care. I mean, that's very competitive, obviously. It's like being yeah. an actor. And I think the first thing is like, you've got to fucking love it, you know? Uh, and I don't really, I, I love it, but I don't love it, I would say. If I'm, yeah, if I'm I mean, totally and that makes frank. sense though. No, that makes yeah. sense. Um, I mean, I like but, fucking around and like doing bits and stuff with like you guys yeah, and like my yeah. friends, but like, that's enough for me, you know? I'm not like dying yeah. to do it on camera. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for the time. I don't know if you have any other questions or thoughts or anything else you want to get across on this episode. Can I ask you guys one football question yeah. before I go? Yes. You know Vic's going to just talk about the Bears. So, but go ahead. God, I swear, if you bring up the Bears, <laughs> what? and it's a positive thing, just do the Kansas City Chiefs, are they the best football team you've ever seen? And if they are or if they aren't, what do you love watching about the Kansas City Chiefs? This is such a question that's biased <laughs> yeah. to me saying something about the Bears. It's a trap. You just asked a question about the Bears. About one you? team that is not the Bears. I mean, I haven't watched enough Chiefs. I haven't watched enough Chiefs. I just know that Patrick Mahomes is like, I would hate to go against him on a Super in a Super Bowl. Um, so they are incredible and he is just that that amazing um but with that said i'm i'm going with tom for this one so i, I know it sounds Real. crazy i'm going well, with tom I'm, I'm hammering the box i'm, I'm, yeah. I'm betting 200 dollars on the box so it doesn't I'm, really uh, answer your I'm question going with the buccaneers as well okay, i don't bet so against tom <laughs> well well no i'm going with the buccaneers because they have the most diverse coaching staff in the NFL. they have the four black is coaches and they have they have four black coaches all three of their coordinators are black and then they have uh two female full-time staff coaches even better i make it 400 so i'm go i'm going with the bucks so i'm rolling with the bucks and uh personally go the That's chiefs right. aren't as uh i don't think Chiefs are as dominant as they were last year but they are still very good i think they have a more uh consistent running game now with uh edwards hilaire and and bell uh who's more of a, a late down back but still um their defense is is pretty good um I don't know, like, like obviously, I think um, it'll be a good game, but I think it'll be a shootout. I'm, I'm expecting a lot of points. I, I agree. I think, it, I think it might be like 31 to 35 or something like that. 
I think the Buccaneers so win sad. unless you, unless you get bad time. He's throwing. He's you know, taking too many chances and he's throwing picks. No, no risk it, we, no biscuit, baby. We will see, and this episode will air after the final result of that game. So we'll have to oh, listen okay, back. Okay, all right. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I think the I gun to my head. The Chiefs are winning, but I'm betting the box. Gun to my head, Chiefs. <laughs> no faith. No faith. Gun to my head. I had the Bears beat the Packers in the playoffs too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can't even get into all that. I hope not. Oh, man. All right, Henry. Well, th- thank you for joining the show. I uh, hope you enjoyed it, and uh, we'd love to have you back in the future. Of course. That was this is so much fun. Major, major, major shout out to both of you guys. Love you both. And um, hey, let's let's make this a streak, Vic. It's your first dub, but next next game's your second dub. Well, yeah. I mean, Latrell's three well should have won MVP. Uh, don't <laughs> finally <laughs> Latrell. Finally a Latrell reference. All right, guys. Twenty twenty one. All right, brother. All right, appreciate it, y'all. Peace. Thanks everyone for listening along for this episode. If you would like to follow along with the brand, follow us on Instagram at Bristol Studio and at ninety four more podcast. This podcast is presented by Bristol Studio, sound editing by Rashad Allen, music by James Grissom. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.